Hello, and welcome to Solo Cristo, where we search the scriptures to find answers to cultural and biblical questions to help you find confidence in Christ. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning back into the Solo Cristo Show. Um, this is Johnny, and today we're joined um, with Chris, and sadly, Will is not with us Um not sadly. Next. It's for a good reason. I'm kind of sad that he's not here. It's sad that he's not here, but he is, uh, <laughs> he is getting married. He's getting married. So you guys will actually miss him for the next uh, month or two even. Um, he's going to take a hiatus to kind of focus on like, you know, getting married and like being a husband. So <laughs> we're going to give him a break. But today we have a super special guest. We have our friend Eli Wallace with us today. Ooh. Did you want to say hello? Hello. <laughs> what a good hello. Um, so Eli is um, just an awesome uh, member of the church that we go to. We actually attend the uh, family group or home group, you know, that, that he actually puts on and they host in their home. So um, it's been a joy for Chris and myself both to be um, really led in a lot of ways by Eli and, and his uh, the way that he lives out his life and um, shepherds his family and stuff. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, I do want to open with just thanking you for the just the example you've been to us. Um, it's been awesome. So it, we're super excited. We've been wanting to have you on t- on here for a while now. So um, our topic today is basically talking about how the consumption of well, that makes it sound like alcohol, but it's not about alcohol. <laughs> how sometimes it's worse. Almost. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> it is. I, it has the same effect sometimes. But how our consumption of information or entertainment affects mm-hmm. us in our spiritual life, right? How that can have a, a deep effect, whether positive or negative. We're going to talk about it, have a good conversation, I hope. So um, we're excited to get into it. Um, so let's just jump right in. Um, do either of you have any thoughts on the matter? What? No, <laughs> I, I, no, I'm really, I'm really, I'm really glad you all, you all have had me on here. I, do, I appreciate all those kind words, Johnny. That means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, I find myself being very sensitive to this topic. Um, I've, mm-hmm. I've often noticed myself. I think I may have kind of an addictive personality, so okay, I, yeah. I find myself um, going through phases where I, I am consuming lots of entertainment, mm-hmm. and yeah. I think you for a very long time I've just been. All, always just watching TV and, you know, just growing up. And um, so I, I have often gone to through like fasts of oh, entertainment okay. yeah. where usually about twice a year I'll, I'll cut myself off from like news sites, mm-hmm. news programs, um, usually around Lent and um, Advent okay. and yeah. take and give myself some detox time from, from entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm I feel very sensitive. I can really tell how its effect on my mind. Um, so I thought I thought a little bit about this topic. That's good. Yeah, I uh, I have I think I'm in the same boat as you with like the addictive. I think overall, as humans, we tend to um, grow very attached and dependent on things that aren't God, right? In our flesh, it's yeah. just our it's just our default to like want to worship something. You know, yeah. Um, but I've definitely found myself in that same boat where it can be so easy to just like any new thing. I'm just like headlong into it, yeah. you know, and it's it's tough. Got to be careful with it. I I personally haven't actually done any like fasts like that. Um, so I'm actually curious to hear more on that of how that goes for you and um, benefits or struggles through it. If you could share more on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it really, I started doing this, um, around the COVID time mm-hmm. because, oh. um, I got really into like watching the news probably a couple of years before COVID okay. and you started off just, you know, look at, look at new sites and then, um, you know, you can just get so stuck into scrolling through things. And, yeah. Um, yeah. but, uh, really during COVID when we all got locked into our houses mm-hmm. that, um, there was almost a control aspect of it where it's almost mm. a need to know what was going on. Right. And I realized that like I was looking at the news so much trying to understand what was going on, but it became, it also became a very, an entertainment type thing Yeah, where mm. it's like, well, I need like my mind to be occupied with something. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm like scrolling through that and I, I just realized how um, much time and thought energy I was 
putting into it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, then I think uh, Advent was coming up and Advent's always a really special time in the Wallace household. Yeah. And um, I wanted to have my mind free from from that while um, while we were you know focusing on the mm-hmm. birth of Christ mm-hmm. and um, so I decided to take a break and I was like okay yeah. I will not I'm not gonna look at any news at all until after Christmas and it was such a sweet time I mean it was like it, I find that my my mind felt clearer after a while um, I, I had more time for thoughts uh, and um, it was just very uh, it gave me more time to, you know, think about the kids, think about special things to do with the yeah. kids. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just really enjoyed getting to do it. So now I've made it a every so often kind of thing. Right. Like I find yeah. myself, I need, I need that every so often to have, have some sort of stepping back, mm-hmm. but I've never really taken a, a, a full step back from entertainment. Like I think that even mm-hmm. as we've been thinking about this topic, it seems like it would be neat to even say, okay, I'm not going to watch TV. I'm not going to do maybe you know, that just sounds almost extreme now. I'm like, oh, no. Hit the brakes. This is being recorded. So. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just uh, just kind of thinking through, like, what would it look like to really free myself for, you know, just a short period of time from yeah. all entertainment mm-hmm. yeah. and, and have a detox? I don't think I've done that my whole life. It is interesting to think about it um, from an addiction standpoint because mm-hmm. I feel like there are, like, when we think about addiction, we think drugs, alcohol, things like that. Um, yeah. it's It's interesting to think, like, there are things that we do on a daily basis that we're probably addicted to that we don't fully realize yeah, like for sure. phones, just scrolling through stuff. Um, but like you're saying being consumed by the news and you didn't, you know, you weren't specifically trying to engulf yourself in this, but it just happened. And then it, you don't realize how much until you, know, you take that away. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like when you took that away, like you didn't, you realized how much it was consuming you. Did you notice like major changes? Yeah. I, I noticed that, that, um, I had a reduction in anxiety. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't as worried because a lot of the things you consume on the news, a lot of the things you're, you're looking at, you have no control over. And so yeah, you're, yeah. you're watching these things and you don't have any ability to change anything about it. Mm-hmm. And so there's no, there, you can't do anything. And yeah. so, you know, you, all you can do is just keep track of the story. And then when you let go of it, you kind of realize, well, there, there was really no point in that at all. I couldn't change anything of it. And then the amazing part, one of the, the craziest things was when I came back a month later, like and looked at the news stories, mm-hmm. it took me about five minutes to catch up on what I missed over about a month. <laughs> like, I mean, it really, you watch all the news stories and they just go, they just go up and down. Yeah. And you know, you, they'll say one thing and then they'll go back and say another. And I was like, Oh, this thing's happening. And then they'll come back. And then all of a sudden, you know, like nothing actually ever comes of it. And so yeah. even if you'd never even watched or spent any time looking at it at all, you wouldn't have missed anything. It, it makes yep. it seem like the world is spiraling every day. Mm-hmm. And then it moves on to the next spiral, then the next spiral. Yeah. yeah, it's actually funny to think how news even started off as kind of like a entertainment thing because yeah. I mean now we have access to everything at all times from all over the world, right? Anything happens, we can know about it immediately. That wasn't the case before internet, you know, or even the telephone, you know, telegram. Like you would only know what's happening in your local community, but there would be people who would like travel and they would share news from like around the world as like an entertainment thing, like hear what's going on in China or like hear what's going on over there. Um, and so it's funny that, cause now I feel like we don't often think of news as an entertaining thing, as something that's more, you know, it's like, uh, we think of it as it having a lot more value, um, you know, to our society and stuff. And I think in some instances it does, you know, obviously, but I think it still has that, um, that like DNA in it of like, this is just to satiate our desire to be entertained and to be like occupied, like you said, with things that oftentimes, most of the time, have actually no bearing on our lives, you know? Yeah. But we just latch onto them and like, oh, we, we desire to be affected by things so much um, that we just sit there and consume all of it. Um, and there was, it was around the same time for me, um, the COVID time and stuff, because I was a very like highly political era mm-hmm. i think with trump you know uh hillary clinton uh COVID, all that stuff like insanely political um and with blm and all, all sorts of stuff happening um and so for for me and my wife we both started we were following a couple like 
really conservative politicians on Instagram. And we were kind of like every day we like send each other stuff like, wow, look what's, you know, happening with this. Look what's happening with that. Um, and on the forefront, we thought, you know, this is a good thing. We're consuming good information. It's conservative. It's, you know, largely Christian. It's talking about things that are happening, you know, that are like bad to our nation. We should be informed about this. But as time went on, we found ourselves getting angry with like, um, instead of having grace towards unbelievers, you know, in our nation, we found ourselves getting angry at them. And, and it wasn't until it happened, it was gone for months until we like kind of, the Lord opened our eyes and we were like, wow, we are being such hypocrites, like just throwing stones and being so upset at, and just consuming all this information about like, look how bad these liberals are. Look how bad these Democrats are. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're like, well, we're only getting this information from one side Mm -hmm. and it's, literally hardening our hearts towards human beings who need the gospel and need Jesus Christ, but don't have him, you know? And so we, we stopped following those things. We like, we're like, okay, unfollow. We need to pull back from the political sphere because, and I think that can happen a lot where we can think that certain information or entertainment that we consume is good, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, this isn't, politics isn't lustful. You know, politics isn't X or Y, you know, fill in the blank. Um, but what we need to be more worried about is not what's coming in, you know, on the forefront vetting it, uh, but what's what it causes to come out of you. Um, and I just wanted to reference in Matthew 15, uh, briefly, uh, where Jesus is is talking to the to the Pharisees, and um, he says that it is not what. Uh, where does he say it here? My bad. I need to find it real quick. Yeah. So he says in, in verse 11, he says. Hear and understand, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a man. Um, and then it goes on to, like, uh, he explains the, the parable to his disciples because they're like, what is this supposed to mean? And he's like, guys, it's not about you having clean hands when you're eating food. Like, that's not what is going to be defiling you, what goes into you. It's what it produces in you, right? Yeah. It's what's coming out of you. And I think a lot of times... As Christians, we can be more concerned about vetting the entertainment on the forefront. You know, like, oh, does it have curse words? Does it have violence? Does it have this or that? And less concerned about when I consume this, what comes out of me? Yeah, yeah and that's that's really important. Um, I think that something that, that makes entertainment so sneaky mm-hmm. is that it has a, stories in general or entertainment, things that we make let us laugh or, you know, like make a smile that those those have an especially sneaky way of getting past our defenses about what we think and entering into our hearts Mm -hmm. like and so then that's what just like you were saying that you start noticing these things coming out of you that you're like oh how'd that get there Mm -hmm. but you've been it's because you've been letting these things kind of entertain you and influence you in ways that um, you're not being thoughtful about like it, it, no matter what we do, we need to be thoughtful about what we're watching mm-hmm. and what messages are coming in, um, and and weighing those against the truth of what we know from God's word. Yeah, yeah, and it's, um, I was I was reminded of First Corinthians, um, uh, it's First Corinthians, First Corinthians ten twenty three. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. And like you were saying, when we view things and watch things like that constantly make us laugh or invoke certain emotions, but they're not like the, how you were saying, Johnny, the obvious ones like, oh, well, Mm -hmm. there's no, like, there's no sex and nudity in this. Like, it's not like super violent. Um, It can become very easy to justify. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, especially overconsumption of things, but it also can start to desensitize and numb us Mm -hmm. to things at a small level at first. And then it just progressively can get worse and worse. And, you know, before you know it, you are consuming certain things you shouldn't Mm -hmm. and like finding yourself being like, ah, like I would actually be kind of embarrassed if I told someone Mm -hmm. that I was watching this or that I was like watching this much of this, or, you know, when we, Every Sunday, it's funny because it always happens on Sundays when you get like the 
um, screen time alerts oh, on yeah. iPhones. <laughs> and um, it's like a, we'll be in church like during worship, and I'll look down <laughs> at it like, ugh. Well, that's <laughs> not very good. Flip your phone over real quick so no one <laughs> yeah, sees it. Make sure nobody sees that and put that back in my pocket. Um, but yeah, it, it can become very quickly easy to justify yeah. certain things. And even though that in itself, like looking at the news, like, oh, watching, um, you know, a certain movie or something in itself isn't that bad, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean it's good. That doesn't mean that it builds you up, that, you know, you have to constantly be thinking about, you know, how is this building me up and how is this going to help me build up my neighbor too? Mm -hmm. thinking about what's coming in and how it's going to come out because it's going to come out in some way, unless you are actively suppressing it but what you take in is going to come out yeah absolutely there's actually we uh we went and saw the covenant have you guys heard of the covenant mm-hmm. the movie just came out a couple of days ago i've heard of it okay yeah so so we just saw the covenant in theaters a couple of days ago and um it's a war movie so there is violence um there's also a few instances of like cursing um so it's like on the forefront it's like why you know, it's like it can be easy for a lot of Christians to just be like, nope, that is absolutely not something that any believer should ever consume, right? Yeah. Um, but coming out of it movie and, and just sitting through it, the thing is the the storyline of the movie is an absolutely incredible um, act of commitment and sacrifice and courage uh, that two people have for each other. That is just absolutely jaw-dropping. We found ourselves talking about afterwards when it ended, uh, me and uh, my buddy Paul, we looked at each other and we were like, man, that's just, I'm just so reminded of the gospel. Like after watching that movie, just seeing the display of this this man like go through such lengths to sacrifice himself for this other person that's giving him nothing in return. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's putting his actual life down like on the line. Um, you know, like a, a friend who's just laying down his life for his friends. Um, and it was just such an explicit display of that, that as believers, we're looking at it through that, through that light, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is such a grace of the gospel or, or of the Holy Spirit that, um, that we're able to, to do that, that he's opened our eyes to spiritual matters so that mm-hmm. we can actually view that movie and not just walk away with like, oh yeah, <clears throat> violence and like, yeah, I want to go kill people now like no we walked away with like wow i am so encouraged to lay my life down for christ because of what he did for me was so much greater than even what i just witnessed which was just jaw-dropping um and i did want to ask eli you because i know we've talked before at your house about i think there's like a framework or something that you guys use when vetting yeah so i was i was just the as you were talking i was thinking actually thinking about that Um, i think it's really neat that you were um taking as you were watching it you were taking in the message of the Mm -hmm. movie and then afterwards you thought about it talked with your friend about it and were able to um you know kind of talk about how it pointed you more towards christ yeah and i think that you, you know when we're talking about entertainment um most things that we watch are not going to be from a Christian perspective, you mm-hmm, know, yeah. from, and you know, we may be able to see different morals or, you know, things that we identify, you know, also can empathize with. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think about this a lot when I'm reading books to my kids mm-hmm. that I don't just want to read to them books from a Christian perspective. But I want to be thoughtful about the perspective that the book is coming from. Mm-hmm. And so it is good to ask questions about what what worldview, what um, thoughts are coming from from this story that I'm that that I'm watching. Mm-hmm. And so you can you can, you know, do this with TV, you can do this with movies, but every every story has underlying message. It has authors who are who are writing it and have a a message that they're trying to get across yeah. in some way or another. And so it's good to start asking questions and there's lots of different questions you can ask and I had um I was thinking through through them but like sort of like uh what is good mm-hmm. in the story? What's prized by the characters? What does love look like in the story? Mm-hmm. Um, how does the how do the characters reach their goal? Is there is there a God represented in the story? Does uh-huh. anybody reference God? Yeah. Um, what's he like if there is? 
And what's really neat is that if you can, if you can identify those kind of things, if you can start seeing like, okay, what kind of world has this creator of this story that I'm watching put -hmm. together, then you can compare that to the Christian worldview. Yeah. And you can, and so you get it, 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 is some of the most beautiful conversations I've had with my kids when we read a book that's not from a Christian author. I think yeah. um, we were we read a really sweet book called called um, uh, Where the Mountain Meets the Moon, mm. and um, it is a wonderful book. But it's definitely not written from a Christian perspective. It's written um, from a, like a uh, I think it was a Chinese. Um, type of background, mm-hmm. but, um, follows this little girl through the story. But you, in the, in the end, you get a really neat picture of a deity in that book. Okay. And you can contrast that with the God of the Bible and you can say, Oh, what's different. And it brings out such sweet perspectives mm-hmm. of looking at God from that perspective that if you're, if you're thoughtful about it, you can have really neat conversations with the people around you. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, anytime we're watching any kind of entertainment, it's good to ask, okay, what's this trying to teach me? And then compare it to, okay, what's, what's the Bible say about that? And then you can, you can think about it. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like, um, cause you have older kids and younger kids. Do you actively as you're reading it or after you're reading it, ask those questions or you do you more, think about those questions as you're reading it and then just kind of bring it up. I usually try to keep an eye out for when the author especially highlights those kind of things. So, um, you know, there, there's often something I've noticed after reading a whole bunch of books to my kids is that there is often the, if somebody writes a good book, they want, they're trying to get a message across. So mm-hmm. a lot of the, especially a lot of the classic books towards, you know, they'll have the, the buildup of the action. <clears throat> then they'll have the, the climax of the story. Then they'll have the falling action. Mm-hmm. And somewhere in the falling action, you know, after the story's resolved, you see what the characters are struggling with, what they end up, um, how they end up resolving the story. Somewhere in the falling action, you'll see somebody show up. Like usually it's like a wise person in the, uh, in the story. I remember we were reading, we were reading Harry Potter with the girls here lately. And there was one Mm -hmm. of them where Dumbledore starts saying something and he, he directly addresses the main point of the story and like says it like verbatim, like what, what, what the the point is? What, yeah. What's the, what's the point of this story? And those kind of moments you're, you can kind of grab hold of and, and use those to say, what's this? Is this true? Mm-hmm. You know, is what this person's saying is true? Well, you know, what parts of it are true? What's different? You know, and, and then you can get a really um, beautiful conversation about why, why the Christian faith is, is so sweet, why Jesus is so sweet. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, you, you make a great point about wanting to be, uh, to particularly not just have your children consume Christian media, um, but also be engaged in the world around and in the world's philosophies and ideas, um, and, and then weighing them against each other in order to combat them. I think that's so cool. And I think it's equipping your children, uh, to be able to do that for the rest of their lives, you know, cause yeah. you have so many Christians who grow up in that kind of bubble, right? Yeah. And then they don't experience these other philosophies until maybe high school or college. Then all of a sudden they start getting hit with these other you know, worldviews and philosophies and they're not properly equipped to like weigh them against the Christian worldview. And many times you have people just being like, oh, there's another way to view truth and there's another Messiah type figure in this religion or in that. Like, oh, I'm just, why am I in this one? I'll go ahead and just scoot over to the next um, thing or worship this or that. So I think that's absolutely phenomenal that you're doing that. And, And I think we see that biblically as well in, like Paul, where Paul, when he's, you know, engaging with the Romans or, or others that he's, he, he's even quoting like, uh, not Christian, but he's mm-hmm. quoting like poets of the day from the Roman empire. Right. And he's using that to, to put forward truth to them, you know, Christian truth. Um, so he's not shying away from it. He's not like, oh no, I'm not going to read these poets because they're bad or like, uh, I'm not going to bring it up to them because that's like unfruitful, you know, unfruitful uh, writings or whatever. Um, but he rightly uses it as a weapon for God's glory. Yeah. Well, that's, I was trying to find it. I, I think it's in Philippians somewhere, but where Paul 
also talks about um, consistently thinking about what is good and pure. And he lays all these attributes out, and mm-hmm. well, those are all attributes of God. Mm-hmm. And so many people do feel like um, they hear that and they think about it in this bubble where it's like, okay, if this is, if I'm constantly supposed to be thinking about this and taking this in, then the only things I can take in are, you know, I need to, con- the only list, wor- uh, the only music I can listen to, worship music, the only mm-hmm. thing I can read, the Bible or approved theological books. Yeah. When in reality, as Christians, it's so much better to view it as like Eli, what you're doing with your kids to be able to know this is the lens of which we should view everything. Mm. We should look for a Christ example and contrast in everything. And that's such a good point where like this is setting them up to be able to have this lens for the rest of their life. And instead of growing up in this bubble and then being cast out of it into a world where they don't know how to, you know, see things mm-hmm. and understand what they're taking in. But they're, it's, it's just setting them up for so much success when they get out into that world. Yeah. It's like teaching them to take, it's teaching them that skill of taking what they see and comparing it to what God says. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's, that's something that has to be, has to be learned. Um, so it is, it is difficult, especially with, with kids trying to figure out what, what's appropriate, you know, what, what is a, letting them grow and expanding that bubble mm-hmm. so that they can experience those kind of things. Cause that is exactly what you said. I don't want them to get to college and never have encountered these worldviews. Yeah. You know, I want them to have already experienced it and thought through it and learned how to wrestle with, with those kind of ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was thinking as you were talking, like I was thinking about how a lot of times I'm, I'm not like that though. <laughs> you know, like that I was thinking about how usually after the kids go to bed and you know, that's like my brain just wants to shut off. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm yeah. like, and that's the time when, you know, we'll always say like, let's, let's go. You don't want to go downstairs and veg out, you know, and just <laughs> yeah. like, it's kind of like, I'm going to, I'm going to shut my brain off yeah. and I'm going to watch something that is just, you know, entertaining and just take a, take a break. Yeah. But to not, it, it's hard not to, at those moments, like, to still be thoughtful, you know, mm-hmm. thoughtful about what you're watching, thoughtful about what the messages are that, that yeah. are coming, coming in, that they're trying to, like, that, that are being saying that this is right. Because all the stories have something that they're saying, this is yeah, right. That's true. And, you, you know, you are always having to say, well, how's that influencing me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. I think that's um, kind of the biggest takeaway for me is that like again on the forefront vetting things is important too you know obviously there are things that we shouldn't even go near as christians when it comes to consuming uh those things and stuff but but the greater like calling for us and the more important thing is to really be mindful about what this is doing inside of me you know and what's Mm -hmm. what it's producing out of me and knowing that like we don't have to you know live off the grid and unplug from this world and become Amish, you know, in order to be holy Christians, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like holiness isn't defined by, um, I wish there's a somewhere that Paul talks about, um, asceticism in the scriptures. And I was trying to remember where it was, but I could not remember it. Um, but where he says, he's like, he's like, look, these regulations of like, do not touch, do not look, do not eat. He's like, these are of no value to the desires of the flesh. You know, if you just, if that's like, if you're just living like through just um, ascetic means of like, I'm just going to take everything out of my life that is entertainment or pleasure or uh, what, what have you, right? He's like, that's not going to curb your desires of the flesh because mm-hmm. you're still wearing your flesh, right? Like I, I'm still in this body. And so no matter where I am, if I'm in the middle of the woods with no TV, I'm still going to find things to entertain myself with, right? And I'm still going to encounter different worldviews and stuff, you know? Like I might start talking to a bird and go crazy or something. I don't know. It's probably a bad example, but... It's funny. I was was just thinking like, yep, I'm sure monks still struggle with sin. Like it doesn't... (laughs) Like taking themselves away from it doesn't doesn't deal with... The flesh is still there. Mm -hmm. They are still there. You know, it's really, it's, you're all reminding me. I think I really like the verse you brought up, Chris, this, um, 
finally oh, brothers. Find yeah, finally brothers. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Yeah. Where, that, where is that real this quick? Is, Just this is uh, Philippians uh, 4, verses 8 and on. Awesome. Um, so, but an interesting thing, like when I first started following Christ, like I, I think I have a fear of boredom <laughs> and that I would use the verse um, and I, I would use the verse... Uh, from Ephesians uh, five fifteen that says, "Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of your time, because the days are evil." Mm-hmm. And I would be just always so consumed with I, I need to just have my thoughts occupied with good things. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm making the best use of my time. I'm listening to sermons. I'm listening to audiobooks. I'm listening to like you know, even if it's a good thing, I'm listening to you know, Pursuit of God by right. Tozer or something crazy. You know, like <laughs> I, it's like, oh, this is great. You know, I'm, and I, I would just always be listening to something or you know, you know, watching like good YouTube videos or something like that, and thinking I'm I'm bringing in all these good things into my heart, mm-hmm. and they were good things, but it's still was part of my addiction to entertainment. I was mm. entertaining myself with all good things. Wow. And I I never like I was making the best the best use of the time because the days are evil, but I never considered that the best use of my time might be to just be bored and let my mind just wander <laughs> and process some thoughts and you know like that I never had I, but it's almost like I just don't I don't like to not be occupied. Yeah. In and the I always need to be finding something to fill my time. Mm-hmm. And so I need to learn to put things away mm-hmm. to, to have that free time where like I can like fr- free my mind a little bit from entertainment because everything that you bring in, your mind has to process in some way, it seems like. And yeah. so if I'm, you know, if I'm bringing all these different sources, you know, I'm listening to the news, I'm listening to sermons, I'm listening to audiobooks, and then, you know, I got my kids and I got, you know, I'm reading them books. It's like that I have all these sources of entertainment that are all filling up my mind, but I don't have any room to, to think about the people in my life who I care about and like what might be good mm. to, for them to help them. Or maybe I, you know, like write something or journal something or those yeah. kind of things. I don't have any, any space in my mind to, to have those thoughts. Have you guys ever taken a, like dr- going to like drive somewhere and just done it in complete silence, no radio, no nothing. And then mm-hmm. it's like realizing, realizing how beneficial that is. Cause that's in the same way, if, especially when driving, I feel like I have to have something going on in the background even if I'm not completely invested in listening to it, yeah. I constantly, and like saying like, oh, I'll be like, oh, I, I need to listen to this podcast. Oh, I really like this song or I want to listen to this artist or do something like that. And then there are times when I get in my car and like accidentally drop my phone in the other floorboard <laughs> and I'm like, why is it so quiet? And then it's like <laughs> three minutes into it, you know, I don't realize just how quiet it is Mm -hmm. and those are the times where i feel like i mostly will pray while i'm driving or just sit and be quiet and be still and it be a good thing for Mm -hmm. me and kind of going back to those you don't realize how much you're filling yourself until you stop filling yourself and it's like it's just an exhale it's like Mm -hmm. wow how wild is that that like even in this like little metal cage like a car that takes you from point a to point b we have like filled even that with entertainment where yeah. it's like, Hey, let's make sure this has a radio with podcasts and with, with music and with talk shows and all this stuff, because Lord forbid you go 20 minutes without, you know, like consuming something. Yeah. And, and it's funny cause I will like, if we go on like road trips or whatever, I've, I don't know. I think it started when I was, I would have to travel to visit Bella when we were dating when she was in North Carolina. So it's like a mm. six hour drive or so. And there, yeah, there was often times where it's like sometimes you just get tired of like listening to stuff, and so I just go stretches of like a couple hours, and just silence. And now Bella hates it when like we'll be going on a road trip, and I'll just be like, <laughs> just quiet for like thirty minutes straight, and she's like, "Can you please like turn something on or do something?" And I'm just like, "Oh, what? Like, there's a lot of stuff going on in my head." <laughs> 
I th- I can only think of a couple times where I've actually done that, like with my wife in the car, and it's mm-hmm. like, and we eventually like we'll both be going down the interstate, and they'll kind of look at each other and be like, "How long have we been going?" Like, <laughs> it was just like it'll like check back in, yeah, and it's like, oh, hey, we're still we're still actually driving, <laughs> we're, we're still, still going, tra- and like we're we're still moving down the road, and not not just going on like the autopilot mode, but we're both like actually thinking. consciously thinking yeah. about stuff, and like like you said, like processing things and. Um, especially around the holidays when a lot of crazy things happen. We're just on the way back, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. I think that, um, we, we drive in silence quite a bit. Um, I don't know what, what with all your us. kids too. Yeah. With all our kids, just, we just drive. What a blessing. I know. Well, I mean, they're not silent. <laughs> oh, <but. okay>, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, they are, they are definitely talking and, and, and loud in the back, but the, uh, you know, a lot of times we don't have music or anything on and yeah. Lisa and I will be like talking about stuff, but yeah, it's just, that can I don't know. Yeah. It it is sad though that even now it's like the way that we've framed our lives, it's like that's almost the escape that we have to go to. Mm-hmm. It's like all day at work and then all day at home afterwards, like I'm gonna be filling my time with entertainment or just doing things. And then it's like, Oh, but that little drive home from work, like I get twenty minutes of just like we're like I'm trapped in this car and so like I'll just be quiet. Yeah. It's like, man, to learn that practice of silence in the home or just wherever I am uh, is something that I really want to pursue and take hold of. I think that there's a discipline, which I do not have of thinking about something like just dwelling on something. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'll really notice that in the times when I'm quiet in the car, my mind just is all over the place, like thinking about all these things. Sometimes I think about, I think that that might be due to like the amount of stuff I put into my mind to think about, but um, I think being able to just hold your mind on something and focus on it and ponder it is worth pursuing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's probably, and it's, it's a skill that you mm-hmm. have to practice and exercise to get better at instead of filling yourself with a hundred things, try filling yourself with one focus on it mm-hmm. and kind of dwell on it and be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. I want to read a, a short quote um, from uh, a book called Amusing Ourselves to Death, uh, written by Neil Postman. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, a, a that I think fits right in here. It says, uh, TV news has no intention of, suggestion, or of suggesting that any story has any implications, for that would require viewers to continue to think about what, what uh, about, sorry, TV news has no intention of suggesting that any story has any implications for that would require viewers to continue to think about it when it is done and therefore obstruct their attending to the next story. Mm. So like I think about this even more so. So this, this book was written back in 1985 when Mm -hmm. television was really like starting to become used more for news debates and those kind of things. And um, they were experimenting with different formats. And so he was making observations about the change in the um, dynamic of political conversation in the book. Mm. But I think that this quote really reminds me of how, the when you're watching Netflix or Amazon mm-hmm. or something, and then it's always just like on to the next episode, yeah. on to the next like, episode, like five on to the next now. episode, you know, and YouTube will do the same thing. Yeah. Or, yeah. And I, I've found myself being in such a habit of that, that I won't stop and think about things. Like, um, I can be like, so I've, I've been in the habit of listening to a, a Tim Keller sermon in the morning. And mm-hmm. so I'll usually listen to half of it while I make breakfast and then listen to the other half on the way to work. Mm -hmm. And I also like to listen to, um, the world and everything in it. Okay. In in, sometime during the day. Mm -hmm. And I'll find myself listening to the Tim Keller sermon. And I'll be like, ah, that was so good. Next (laughs) podcast, you know, (laughs) and and I won't stop and think about it or like think about how it relates or who I could share the message with or those kind of things. Like it's just so easy to that entertainment mindset of just moving on to the next to the next thing to occupy my mind without thinking through implications. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny seeing the. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say real quick. It's like seeing the progression of when that book was written and it was talking about full news cycles and how it went to episodes with Netflix and stuff. And now uh, with like TikTok and Instagram reels where it's like, I'll be, I'll be watching reels sometime. And if it's like 
nine seconds into it, if this is like mm, next, and it's like I don't even have the sometimes the attention span yeah. to go through a minute and a half long video at most, mm-hmm. and it's like I I know I struggle with that sometimes, especially when I do get in a habit of just scrolling and scrolling. It's like mm, next, 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 and I'll it's like sitting in your bed at night, be like all right, yeah, this is definitely gonna be the last one I watch, and then fifteen minutes later, you're like yeah, one more, and mm. it's just the progression of that. That's human nature and how we've instead of made attempts to move away from it have only like dove deeper and deeper into it for sure yeah and it's like like you were saying in 1985 it's like you have specific tv programs at specific times throughout the week that you have to like oh go and like you know take part in that in a certain location Mm -hmm. like in your living room and mm-hmm. now it's like anywhere we are at all times of the day, we have access to all of that to down to the point where, like you said, where now it's like 15 second videos, like, like, oh, you don't have 30 minutes to sit through a segment. We've diluted that all the way down now to like 15 seconds. And now even that sometimes, like you said, is a little too long. Like yeah. I want, I want to be told this in five seconds and then the next thing and then the next thing. And it's wild to think how that, is literally rewiring our brain. Like our neural pathways are literally being rewired. Um, the chemicals it releases, we are literally physically being addicted to. Um, and it's like we can, you know, that's a terrifying thought. How much more so when we consider the spiritual aspect of that? Yeah. Like that's the greater reality behind these like, the weightiness of like this rewiring my brine, my brine, my brain, my brain, <laughs> my brain. <laughs> it's rewiring my brain. Um, but how much more so should I be concerned about what this is doing to my spirit? You know? Yeah. yeah and especially when you think about something getting into God's word, like that it, it is something that you have to meditate on. Yeah. And, and you, if you've gotten rid of your capacity to meditate on anything, you know, just through all your practices through the day, how can mm. you just turn the switch yeah. and say, well, now I'm going to think very deeply for a long period of time about this very short passage of God's word and, and get anything out of it. You know, you, mm. you've gotten rid of your capacity to be able to do that. Yeah. I know there are times where I'll look up like a different theological idea or a passage or something to kind of see, um, to, to watch videos on it and, I'll see some that pop up and it's like one's five minutes, one's 25 minutes. And then Mike Winger's video is four and a half hours. And it's like, we'll start with 20. If that doesn't grip me by five minutes, I'll go back to the five minute. If that one grips me, I'll go back to the 20 minute. And then if that one grips me, maybe we'll watch Mike Winger at one and a half speed and see how that goes. So yeah. it, it does it. It bleeds into every aspect of your life intentionally or not. It, it absolutely will. Mm-hmm. So um, as we start to wrap up here, um, is there anything else you guys wanted to share real quick? Any quotes or anything that you guys had? Um, well, I think uh, the one thing I was thinking about with the the vegging out um, mm-hmm. and thinking about being thoughtful about what we're watching um, mm-hmm. as entertainment. Uh, I love this um, quote from John Piper that said, loving God with all our mind means that our thinking is wholly engaged to do all it can to awaken and express the heartfelt fullness of treasuring God above all things. That really, when we're thinking about what we're doing with our mind, we're really thinking about how are we, how can we love God with all our mind Mm -hmm. and, and what's the best way to do that, um, to be most useful for God's kingdom. And, um, so that's, that's the last thing I really wanted to share. That's awesome. Um, you, you did, text me something did you, you want me pre- to oh my goodness okay well Eli, I will share Eli texted me an amazing like <laughs> passage buckle in okay um, that i just think is and i think it's good because i think so many people will know what 1984 and what a brave new world are and i think this just is so good i was ho- i was trying to get you to share the quote well, like in a way i did, you said wrapping up and i didn't <laughs> I, I thought that that would might lead into a longer conversation so um but let's do it the, I'll, i will i will read it it's still it's still a quote from that amusing ourselves to mm-hmm. death and he's talking about 1984 and brave new world he says uh we were keeping our eye on 1984 when the year came and the prophecy didn't thoughtful americans sang softly in praise of themselves the roots of liberal democracy had held 
wherever else terror had happened, we at least had not been visited by Orwellian nightmares. But we had forgotten that alongside Orwell's dark vision, there was another, slightly older, slightly less well-known, equally chilling, Aldous Huxley, Brave New World. Contrary to common belief, even among the educated, Huxley and Orwell did not prophesy the same thing. Orwell warns that we will be overcome by an externally imposed oppression, but in Huxley's vision, no big brother is required to deprive people of their autonomy, maturity, and history. As he saw it, people will come to love their oppression, to adore the technologies that outdo their capacities to think. What Orwell feared were those who would ban books. What Huxley feared was that there would be no reason to ban a book, for there would be no one who wanted to read one. Mm. Orwell feared that those who feared those who would deprive us of information. Huxley feared those who would give us so much that we would be reduced to passivity and egoism. Orwell feared that truth would be concealed from us. Huxley feared the truth would be drowned in a sea of, in a sea of irrelevance. Orwell feared that we would become become a captive culture. Huxley feared we would become a trivial culture, preoccupied with some equivalent of the feelies, the orgy-porgy, and the centrifugal bumble puppy. As Huxley remarked in Brave New World Revisited, the civil libertarians and rationalists who are ever on the alert to oppose tyranny failed to take into account man's almost infinite appetite for distractions. Mm. In 1984, Orwell added, People are controlled by inflicting pain. In Brave New World, they are controlled by inflicting pleasure. In short, Orwell feared that what we fear will ruin us. Huxley feared that what we desire will ruin us. Welcome to 2023. That's yeah, like, uh, that is so clearly what we're living in currently. And even in, I can, in our own homes, you know, in so many of our own homes, like there's so much of that, that I need to repent of and, Mm. and run to Christ from, you know, and just reframe like my daily life, my weekly life, like the rhythms that me and my wife find ourselves in. Um, and, And it's wild, like Aldous Huxley, he, the one who wrote Brave New World, he wasn't a believer. I don't think. Yeah. But that even he, like, God using him. And again, you, so you can make the case of, like, don't read A Brave New World because it's a non-Christian book. But it's like, no, but there are truths in this, you know, that we can apply and things that we can present towards the Christian worldview and say, hey, which is my life mirroring? Mm-hmm. You know, is my, is my mm-hmm. life mirroring A Brave New World or is it mirroring um, Christ's life? Yeah, and I think that is what stood out to me the most kind of pulling back to what you said, you know, in relation to how do we, how do we find confidence in Christ through this? What is, what's something we can pull away from it? And I'll read, um, Roman Romans 12 two. do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And I, I feel like there are times where so many people will say, Oh, don't be conformed to this world that that means remove yourself from it as much as possible mm. when you know going back you know we we are constantly we have god renewing our mind yeah. so that we can see things more clearly and i think there's so much wisdom in what you were saying you do with like books vetting stuff for your home that uh, you know as you're reading that take thinking about taking that to my home for my kids but then also taking that into everything that I see for myself Mm -hmm. that there's a lens that we can look at things and pull what's good from them, but also be able to have conversations about what's not and why it's not and why God is better than those things. Mm. And, you know, that will open up a lot of conversations, a lot of avenues, a lot of dialogues that we can have with, you know, people in our lives or people we just randomly may meet. You never know. Mm -hmm. What what kind of avenues will be opened up from that? But um, being able to bring that into my life is going to be a huge takeaway from this for me and for my home. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I think that having having the reset and just just even even being thoughtful about 
this all the entertainment that we consume on a daily basis is mm. is and being aware of what it is that it is entertainment yeah. Yeah. has been the best part about thinking about this and am i am i honoring god by how i'm how i'm using entertainment and that i i think that that's probably my main takeaway is i'm, I'm going to examine myself mm-hmm. and i love that we have the Holy Spirit to guide us. And, and I think that's the, the most powerful thing that we have the Holy Spirit using other believers, using, you know, what we see in, in entertainment to convict our hearts, to lead us, to guide us into what we're, um, what's appropriate and what's um, beneficial for us and, and for us to bring glory to him. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And, uh, just to wrap, um, like Christ being a sufficient savior for us mm-hmm. as we tackle this. Mm-hmm. Um, and to recognize that it is not the things of this world that are the biggest threat to me, right? It's not the sports. It's not the movies. It's not the television. Those aren't the biggest threat, but the biggest threat, um, like jumping off that quote you read is actually my own fleshly desires. Mm-hmm. Right. And so being mindful of that as I engage with those things, knowing that, I am my own biggest, you know, enemy and threat, my own desires, but at the same time, knowing that, but my greatest hope is Christ mm-hmm. to the extent that he is a full and sufficient savior for each of us. Right. So as we wrestle with the, wrestle with these things, wrestle with our own flesh, um, and wrestle with, uh, you know, this, this world and the entertainment, uh, that we're so steeped in, uh, just knowing that we do that with Christ as our strength and he will bring us through. I do. I do love that. And, and to remember that he's satisfying Yeah. That, and that that's really a lot of what I'm seeking in entertainment can only be satisfied in Christ. Thank you for listening to solo Christo. We hope that you found this episode insightful and encouraging to your walk with Christ. Please consider leaving a review and feel free to check us out on Instagram to continue the conversation and weigh in on future topics.